recorded live from the whalefm.org studios in the fabulous Fetter Building in Rochester, New York. Welcome to Transformation Thursday. I am Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens. Happy New Year, and my pronouns are she, her as well as we kick off 2020. Our connection was made today on Tuesday over coffee as it was one of those things where it just kind of happened. It was fantastic. That's when I met Jamie Francesca Rodriguez. Whoa, that is a mouthful for coffee in Geneva, New York. Jamie is an attorney in Washington, D.C., and she has family here in upstate. So she messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, let's have coffee. And I said, "Okay, with me. Uh, Are you sure about that? Yeah, I think so. Well, you can ask her for yourself in a little bit because she's here on video conference. But what came of that copy with me was a fascinating talk about Jamie's life as a woman who happens to be transgender like us and how she is now working with law firms and other companies to help them deal with employees who are transitioning in the workplace and what protections are in place for transgender employees in the workforce today. And we'll be right back with our interview with Jamie right after the time-honored tradition of the music swell and fade out. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes and change isn't good or bad, it just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses, and by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are still she, her, even after that short break. And with us today on Transformation Thursday is Jamie Francesca Rodriguez, or just Jamie, as she likes to say. She is a transgender woman and an attorney in the D.C. office of Holland and Knight LLP. Her primary legal practice is advising clients on transportation regulations and accident investigations. And she's also a commercial pilot and a flight instructor. And she's worked for the National Transportation Board for six years and enjoys running, yoga, theater and live music and she's also uh here to talk about transgender issues in the workplace welcome to our show jamie thank you so much thanks for the introduction did i get it right oh uh, yeah you got everything the just uh, the national transportation safety board is where i was before my current job and i was there for six years i've been at holland and knight for three years now oh that was a past tense that's my bad oh well how do you like it how do you like uh, leaving government for the private sector is that what, what's changed in your life there um, 
I, it, it's been good. I've enjoyed the um, uh, kind of the challenges of the private sector and, you know, helping people uh, deal with the government. That's kind of gone from, you know, being in the government to, you know, kind of interacting with the government agencies. Um, and uh, it, it's interesting to see from from the other side. I um, I had actually worked in private practice before going to the government, so it wasn't a total you know surprise or anything. But um, uh, I, previously, I didn't work in the transportation space, so this is a different different area. Okay, it looks like you did. You kind of like get the uh, transition to the job at the same time as you were socially transitioning, or where, how was that timeline wise? Basically, I would kind of describe my transition as mostly occurring in the past two years, starting in January 2018. Um, certainly, I could think back to my earlier life and childhood and, uh, and you know, things that, uh, especially in, in hindsight, um, uh, I, I, I could have noticed if I was a little more introspective back then. But um, as far as, you know, in, kind of in January 2018, I really started exploring um, uh, my, you know, my gender identity and, um, you know, started had had someone point out to me, hey, I think you're transgender. And I was like, and and I, I had to then start kind of figuring out how that what that meant for me. I would say like the first half of 2018 was me kind of figuring out uh, you know, whether this really was a thing, you know, am am I? Um uh and I took a trip in the middle of 2018. And by the end of that trip, you know, it was my first week as really my true self. And by the end of that trip, I I knew that you know, this was really me. And this, how did, then, then the question became not, you know, whether I was going to transition, but how I was going to transition. Um, yeah. And yeah. so from that point, you know, it was a lot of research and, and trying to find, uh, you know, doctors for uh, hormone therapy. I basically started hormones in uh, January of 2019, um, after a couple of preliminary um, uh, appointments. And uh, from that point, I, I transitioned at work um, officially July 8th, but effectively from July 3rd on of this year, I, I've been full time. Um, the reason there was kind of a six month delay there was I, I, I have a son who's 17. Um, uh, he was 16 at the time, and I, I didn't want to come out to him during the school year, or at least I thought that was best. I think ultimately he probably could have handled it fine, but. Um, uh, for that reason, I I kind of held off on on becoming on going full time and starting that process seriously until about June of this year. So yeah, and you know our podcast, so and you've listened to a few episodes. So we we, we are pretty long form. So you know, go if you don't mind. I mean, are there any things like from your childhood, teenage years that you know you could say, oh, I miss that, or were you like in my story, I did a lot of cross dressing all through my life leading up to me fully coming out and starting my social transition three years ago. What are some of those milestones in your life that you may or may not have hit? Right. So, you know, the kind of the earliest things that I remember were a couple of, a couple of times when I was, oh, I don't know, I was 10 or 11 and I ended up at a, um, at a summer camp, this, this one camp. And it turned out I, I was, really the only boy at the camp. So it was, you know, a bunch of girls and me. And oh, that sounds um, like so much fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, um, uh, and, but I, I had this distinct feeling like after the first day, I think it was about a week long. It was kind of a day camp. It wasn't an overnight, but um, like after the first day, I just like felt really comfortable. And I just remember thinking, it's like, 
why like why do I just enjoy this that much? You know? <laughs> um and you know, I don't think that so, you know, uh, I, I graduated from high school in the mid eighties, you know, so I'm kind of a, a, a Gen Xer, if you will. Um, I don't think I like that boomer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I the boomer. Say, I didn't say that. Yeah. I'm the boomer. And I, I, I can't help the fact that I was born before you guys that I could have babysat the Bodias. So <laughs> you, anyhow. Probably, you, prob- you probably could have. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't think at, you know, at that time I had any, kind of language to even think about what being transgender was. Um, I, you know, I, I, I barely knew what kind of um, sexual orientation was, um, you know, much less gender identity. And, and so I, um, it was something that I like kind of felt was there, but I didn't know how to talk about it. And yeah. frankly, um, my mom is super loving. I, I, I don't know how I would have addressed it with my family at, at, at that point, um, anyway. Um, and, and then I, no, I wouldn't say, so I, um, I kind of just suppressed things, frankly, once I got it, once I became a teenager and kind of the social pressures of high school, um, you know, any kind of awkward feelings I had, I just like, I didn't talk about them. And I, um, I was never very good about talking about my feelings. It wasn't a, I didn't really have someone who modeled doing that in my life. And, um, and, and so I didn't, and I, and I kind of went into this more masculine field. I went into the military for a while. I was in the air force and, um, I actually had, a, I have fond memories of my service time, but you know, I do think in, in some respects it might've stunted my growth, if you will. Um, and, and so the next, the next kind of time I can think of in my, in my life is, Kind of in the late '90s, um, w- where I was stationed in Los Angeles, and I was just hanging out with a more diverse crowd, meeting a lot more people, and um, I I met some transgender women, and you know I think if I had been kind of self-aware enough then, um, I really could have made this decision in the late '90s, um, and you know I I I don't regret. I don't regret it in the sense that you can't go back. I've got a wonderful son who I would never give up. So, you know, you can't, you can't turn the clock back and live your life over, but you know, it's one of those things I think back, that's a decision I could have made then and, and probably been very happy with. Um, ultimately, I, I, I met a woman in, in the late nineties. We, we got married and, you know, had my son and I kind of, I kind of, you know, buried things again. Um, for probably 10 or 12 years. Um, we, we split up in, uh, basically the end of 2016 and, you know, it wasn't directly related to my transition. Although I do feel that, um, now that I'm my kind of honest self, I'm much more open with people and willing to share my feelings and, and my communication style now was completely lacking before. Like I was very closed off and I, and I, I didn't, communicate well that certainly wasn't um a positive factor in my previous relationship um um but but after we you know split up um basically early 2017 i found myself dating again and uh you know created a profile on tinder um and and then tried several others okay cupid and you know her and some others but um uh 
you know, I, I, I dated through 2017, and at the end of 2017, I, I met this um, transgender woman, and we started dating, and in that process, I was kind of exploring my own gender identity, and um, he was actually the first person to ever that told me, I think you're you're trans, and and I, um, you know, I wasn't sure I, at that point. That that was like the beginning of 2018, um, but you know, she kind of held my hand um, the first time I got dressed and we went out in public. You know, uh, it was really comforting to have her, and um, you know, she 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 taught me a, a lot of things. Um, ultimately she really was interested in dating a guy. And when it became kind of clear to both of us that I was gonna really go down th this path of, of, of making my own transition, you know, we, we kind of broke it off there. Um, she, she also moved further away she, um, to, to Pittsburgh, you know, and I'm, I'm down here in DC. So, you know, that, that was logistically difficult, but, um, you know, I, I do have to give her credit for really, kind of recognizing my identity almost before I did, um, or at least before I admitted it to myself. Yeah. Uh, those kinds and, of, those kinds of relationships are really important for, for people who are transitioning to, to find somebody who is willing to talk to them and believe, talk to us and believe us and listen to us and accept us. That goes so far in helping people discover who they are. And I'm glad that you found that. Yeah, I, I really do have to give her a lot of credit. I, I um, you know, would I have taken those first few steps of going out in public? Um, I, I probably wouldn't have not right then. I mean, I'm sure it would have taken me much longer to get up the confidence to do that. So um, it's it's almost like, you know, I, I want to help someone else to kind of pay it forward. And if there's, if there's, if, if I meet someone, you know, offer to take them out or something along those lines, you know, just to uh, kind of get them out. Um, I, you know, actually fairly recently, I was talking to, um, uh, to a woman at this, um, uh, it was kind of a woman's retreat that I went to. And um, she mentioned a friend of hers who was in the kind of very early stages of, of transitioning, um, uh, you know, trans woman. And, um, but she was still calling this woman by <clears throat> her old name. And so it, Kind of prompted me to like ask the question. Well, what's you know, kind of what's your status right now? And um, and long story short, she gave me um, that person's contact information. Um, I reached out when I got back here, uh, and um, and so I I called her. And one of the first things I did was, or I didn't call her. I, I texted her, and and we we chatted back and forth. But one of the first things I did was kind of ask her, like you know what. What do you, how do you want to be called? What, what name do you want to use? What pronouns do you want to be used? Cause I had been given kind of this other, other information. And she responded, um, I thought it was really touching. She basically said no one had ever asked her that question before. And so, um, you know, I, I just think, you know, if you know someone who's kind of in the early stages of transitioning, giving them some of the initial positive feedback is so affirming. Yeah, it's very important, and I'm glad that you can do that. And you are, um, what, so I want to circle back to to your to your job and the transition there. Didn't when you 
just when you were socially transitioning, you had to approach your job and tell them as well. Um, what happened there? Yeah, so, um, uh, I mean, just to talk real quick about kind of on the personal side, I came out to my mom and my sister in December of, of, of 2018. And then shortly after that, I started telling a lot of friends and, um, um, and family uh, initially in the DC area, but then others. Um, but I was not out at work. So I kind of was, you know, um, living in two worlds, which, you know, really is, is not a great state to be in. Um, I will say it sucks. Yeah. It's... Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> Been there, done that. Um, yeah. I think we all have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think at the end of 2018, I was, had I been diagnosed, I probably would have been, uh, you know, somewhat depressed. I was, you know, cause by that time I knew where I wanted to be, but I, I, I just wasn't there yet. And, um, and so I can remember the feeling of putting on a suit to go into the office, you know, and, and just hating it, you know? Um, and I, and I, I think that, I think that came across in my, just, I don't know, my persona at, at work the, those last six months before my transition, I, I just wasn't as happy at work. Um, but, you know, I, I, I knew where I wanted to get. And um, in about, <clears throat> this is kind of related to my son. To, so let me tell a little bit of that story. So um, my son was 16 at the time, um, junior in high school. And I just didn't know how he would react to my my coming out to him, um, I started having conversations with him about diversity in general and gender diversity specifically, um, and he seemed pretty comfortable. And so that gave me hope. And I had heard that, like, kind of his generation is is pretty open, and and I found that to be the case, you know. But I just never knew. It's like when it's actually your own parent, um, you know, might was that going to cause him problems? So I had decided uh, not to come out to him until June when, when the school year was over, just so he would kind of have the summer to, 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 to let it sink in. Um, and, and so that also kind of became my, t my, my timeline for when I was going to address it at work because like, I didn't want to come out in pretty major phases in like three different places. Um, you know, so, so I kind of had like three worlds I was living in. I had work, I had this kind of bubble around my son um, and, and then I had everything else. And if I wasn't at work or, or at my son, which often meant like scouts, he's a scout, um, then I was living as myself. But like we said, that's kind of a crappy way to live. <laughs> um, so in June, I, I did, um, came out to my son. He was super, uh, super warm, very supportive. I basically, I was getting emotional. And, and when I, when I told him, he kind of sat back and he said, "I'm okay with it," and 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 it's really been wonderful ever since. He's he's been super supportive the entire time, um, and and really kind of took it as as no big deal, um, uh, which is great. Um, but uh, so then turning to my work, so so right after that, um, I, I have an assistant at work, um, um, and and she we. We were um, somewhat close, like you know, uh, you know. She just started noticing things over the over the past year. I think there was one one time I had done my nails on the weekend, and I didn't really have color on them, but I, you know, I kind of had clear, shiny nails, you know. And um, and 
she kind of noticed. And then, you know, I don't know, at some point in the spring, I had gotten my ears pierced and, uh, you know, I didn't wear earrings into the office, but I showed up on Monday and we're all kind of standing around and she, she noticed. And, and we kind of laughed and said something. I said, you know, I think I need to take you to lunch. So the the way the first person I told at the office was was her, and I took her to lunch. And um, I actually didn't go in to the office before lunch. I, I I showed up as myself as Jamie at at the restaurant. And wow, uh, she she that's, walked that, in. Jamie, hold on here real quick. That that's that's a gutsy move. I mean. <laughs> To your yeah. assistant at your law office, you 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 set up this lunch, and she had no warning, and you came as yourself. Yeah, you know, so we had developed a certain amount of trust, and um, you know, I, it was at the, it was to the point where I felt safe doing that with her. You know, I, at that point, I probably I would not have done it with anyone else at the firm. Um, um, but you know, there had to be someone had to be first, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And, and I did. I did trust her enough that um, that when I when I did, she came in and she saw me and just smiled and and we hugged and we had a great lunch. And um, then she actually had some good advice on some people to talk to. Um, and I had I had read some model policies on on transitioning. Um, and you know, one of the, one of the kind of models that that I had read about was kind of. Kind of defining circles of people who you're going to talk to, and you know, usually there, maybe your inner circle is is someone you really trust, you know, like my assistant or someone that you, um, you know, is a mentor already in your work. Um, so, you know, for me that 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 started out with her. That we have a um, a firm diversity partner in uh, um, in in one of our Florida offices. Um, and I and I called her next, and um, she was willing to kind of broach this with HR on a on a an anonymous yeah, anonymous basis, um, and and so she did. And then she called me back, you know, and said, "Hey, HR would really like to talk to you." So the chief of our of our HR for the whole firm um, uh, called me and was very supportive. I, I just let me just kind of step back one saying I've really had a great experience um at my office they've been they've been very supportive all th all through and the only um I I was the first person to transition in the firm we're in about 1100 attorney firm you know kind of nationwide so it's a pretty big firm but I I just happened to be first um and so they didn't have a written policy um, that was published, though they did have a draft policy and a kind of a checklist of things to do. So they had been thinking about this, but they, you know, no one had come forward. And um, and so I, you know, so I was trailblazing a little bit in that respect. Um, so they kind of went to school on you. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, our firm has 1,100 attorneys and, you know, assistants and, uh, and researchers and paralegals. Um, so, you know, a fairly large population of people. And, and if you consider that, like the statistic that gets tossed around is that, you know, maybe a half a percent of the population is is transgender in, in, in one form or another. And, you know, so my thinking is that odds are there's there's another two or three or five people out there who may be contemplating transitioning. Um, uh, and so 
for me personally, I just want when when one of those people you know goes to our online um, policy manual and searches for a transition policy, I want them to get hit. You know, I want something to pop up. Right. Um, and 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 so I'm helping to kind of kind of work on that. Um, well, and I think if you have that already online and ready for the next person, it shows that the firm has already thought and they're kind of ahead of it. And my question back to you, though, is, you know, you said your firm HR had a draft policy already that they were working on. Did that match up with your vision of what a policy should be? Yeah. So one of the one of the um, you know, when I had done my own research, I had kind of looked and um you know, human rights campaign has some draft policy. There's the National Center for Transgender Equality has some good links. Um, uh, Glad has has um, information, and then the Society for Human Resource Managers, for example, had some draft information. So there were these sources out there that were all pretty consistent um, uh, with each other, and 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 also very positive about supporting the transitioning employee, and when. When the HR, the head of HR, so um, when she, uh, I, I talked to her on, on the phone first, and you know, one of the nice things that she was saying, "Oh, I really want to meet you," and I kind of said, "Well, we could do a webinar or something," and and she, like, first thing she said was, "No, I mean, I want to come to DC and meet you." So, oh wow, she, she actually literally flew up from Orlando to DC, and and we scheduled a meeting, um, and you know, we met one this one morning, and the the first words out of her mouth were, um, uh, you know, we support you, firm supports you, and we want to make this a good experience for you. And, you know, just hearing that kind of took uh, a, a level of um, anxiety uh, off the table. Like, you know, I, I didn't know exactly how the firm was going to react. And I had kind of started this ball rolling. But, you know, hearing those kind of positive statements, you know, really made me feel good. And and she shared that draft policy with me, um, and it was based on a lot of the same um, sources that I had kind of found on my own, which gave me a lot of, you know, um, a lot of comfort that that they were kind of drawing from from, from sources that had a positive outlook on on transitioning, um, as opposed to I don't know what sources would have a negative outlook, but you know, you could imagine that there might be some uh, political parties out there that aren't as supportive. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Oh, sorry, Penny. Right. Yeah, of course there are. And I think what we'll go ahead and do is we'll try to find some of those because I know I've come across those on the HRC and some of those other websites. So if somebody does come across this podcast and is looking for those resources, we'll go ahead and link to those in the yeah, show. Yeah, great. And, I, I can give you some links as well. That'd, That'd be, be great. great. Yeah, and I know Penny had a question for you, so let's jump back to Penny. There's yeah, but my, my my question is so there's the official um there's the official we accept you was there any curiosity tension uh misunderstandings misgenderings that happened in the office even though officially it was supported or did or was everybody really welcoming and affirming in your office so so let me answer, answer that a couple of ways um so we we laid out this plan where um uh, you know, it was it was kind of early to mid June when when this happened, and and you know I was kind of wanting to push things along. So we ultimately set July eighth as my you know my final date, and so there was this two week period, like at the end of June, where we held we held a series of meetings and kind of thinking of this concentric circle model of you know I had, I had already informed kind of some of the initial people um, 
uh, the HR chief talked to my office management. There was a couple of partners that I work with um, kind of directly on a day in day out basis. So I had kind of one on one conversations with them just because I felt like I had a relationship with them that that um, that warranted a more of a personal conversation. Um, you know, everybody's everybody's different, though. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of giving you my experience. Everyone's got to kind of draw these circles and figure out who's included in them for themselves. But um, then the, the next thing that that we did is I talked to the D.C. Um, office management and um, on the eighth floor of my building uh, is probably 50 or so people who I, you know, obviously see me every day because we're all working on the same floor and, um, uh, you know, use the same restrooms and those kind of things. Um, so they held a meeting to kind of introduce the fact that I was transitioning with everyone on our floor. And I helped them to craft that message a little bit. It was, consisted of a little bit of um, education about transitioning, um, a little bit about me personally. Um, and then, you know, the the, the firm HR chief came up for that presentation and, and she kind of repeated that, hey, it's the firm policy to support transitions. And, um, you know, we, but there wasn't, but there wasn't a wink, wink, nod, nod, like, hey, we officially support it. But if you want to be a jerk, go ahead. No, no, there was um, that. That was not the message at all. I, you know, I um, and and so let me just make a point. I did not actually attend the quote eighth, eighth floor meeting that I I was talking about, and and that was a decision on on my part not to be there, um, because I wanted. So a lot of people were going to be hearing this for the first time. Some of them, um, you know, there are a, a wide variety of of um, kind of ages and and uh, you know it's a pretty diverse floor, if you will, and. I just wanted, if there was someone who was uncomfortable asking a question with me in the room, I wanted to give them the space to do that. Um, and and so the, the the firm management I was dealing with asked me if I wanted to be present, and I and I said no. Let's like that for that meeting. I don't need to be present. Um, you know, all, it was it was kind of an odd. Uh, you know, it got scheduled at a um, this one afternoon and. At the time of the meeting, kind of everyone went down to the meeting, and I was all alone on the floor, just about, and um, that was kind of weird for about <laughs> twenty minutes, you know. And then, um, uh, you know, after that meeting, a number of people came by and, and said things, but you know, it's it's a busy office, so people kind of went about their way. Um, another reason I felt a little awkward attending the meeting, we kind of discussed, well, maybe you could come in at the end and say hi, and. The reason I didn't do that is I didn't want there to be this whole meeting about my transition and then for me to walk in in, in guy mode, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. I just felt like, oh, that's going to be kind of awkward and and even less comfortable <laughs> than I already feel. Um, so uh, um, before that eighth floor meeting happened, there were about two individuals who I did tell, other close friends, um, and they kind of kept it quiet until, the, until that kind of general announcement went out um, from and, and also in the in the lead up, I, I work with a group of attorneys up in our New York office. So a couple of them I had had a phone conversation with and, and, and told. And then, uh, you know, from there, it was really there's a series of um, kind of internal processes that have to take place. So you have, you know, your HR, your pay systems, for example. 
um, uh, IT systems, you know, so they changed my email to be, you know, jamie.rodriguez instead of my previous name. And, um, you know, it, it, it turned out as you go through, you, you um, in, a, in a big company, you probably have half a dozen, you know, computer systems that you sign on to. And, you know, we identified most of them, but there was always one or two. Um, uh, I have an online bio. Every firm attorney has a, has a has a bio on the firm website, you know. So I had to get a new photo, and we and we updated that. There were a few things that I had to take care of on the outside before they could make changes with the pay system. So I had to get my Social Security card done. Um, so some of that timing prompted me to actually go about formally, uh, you know, legally changing my name. So I got my legal name change done in Virginia. Um, and then I took that document, the Social Security, um, uh, and also the DMV. I, you know, another half a day of my life that I'll never get back sit, sitting in the Virginia DMV. Um, Only a half a day? Wow, they're wow, doing things yeah. fast down there. Yeah, yeah, fast, right? Um, you know, and so I kind of went through the process of getting my legal documents uh, and, um, updated to reflect my new name and gender. Um, and then, you know, uh, gave gave the new social security information to our HR people to handle the pay side of things. So that was kind of a, you know, a bunch of like kind of minor logistical steps, but. Um, minor. Yeah. yeah. Minor. Well, okay. Not minor. Yeah. yeah they kind yeah. of add up. You know? So, but okay. that way, back to your, back to your question, you asked about kind of misgendering and stuff. So I want to, you know, when I talk about, um, helping people transition or being a good ally. I think misgendering is something that you really do need to address because inevitably it happens and, and it did happen to me. You know, there were, um, there, there is, is a couple people at, at my office who, who actually knew me before I was employed there. And, um, you know, so they had this history with me and I think it, it was sometimes harder on them, um, to, to come around. Um, not so much if they were thinking about it, but, you know, just occasionally they would they would say something. And then there were there were other people who I'd worked with who, you know, occasionally early on misgendered me. I would say now it's um, you know, seven months later, it's that's um very rare that it happens, but you know, it did. And so what I told people, um, and actually I'd, I'd be interested in y'all's opinion on this, but you know, me talking to other women and um and and a non-binary person that I know about misgendering. I think what I always tell people is if you do it, you know, just uh, apologize or correct it and move on. Like, don't dwell on it. Don't like all of a sudden make a business conversation about me because, you know, because of a misgendering. Can we get an echo on that there, Penny? Yes, I will do that too. <laughs> um, but the other thing I, I would say is um, do acknowledge it. Like, don't just, pretend it didn't happen. And the reason I say that, at least, and this, maybe this is more how I personally feel. I feel if, if someone misgenders me and doesn't say anything, then it's kind of hanging there. And I'm, and I'm starting to go through this mental process of, oh, is it worth correcting now? Am I going to disrupt things? Um, you know, how many people are in the room who now are having a question about, you know, what my actual name is or, or, you know, gender, um, or who, to whom did I just get outed who probably may have not known that I was transgender, right? So if you don't say, if someone doesn't say anything, it kind of just causes all this, a little bit of a mental effort in, 
in 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 the in in my mind. Um, whereas if they make a correction and move on, at least I know that they acknowledged it. Um, and as long as it's not something that they're having to do on a daily basis or a frequent basis, I'm probably just going to be okay with it. Um, uh, yeah. But you know, if someone's misgendering me a lot, then then I will start taking other actions and you know. Yeah, let's 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 show. I want to. I have a letter that I want to read, maybe in our next segment. But I got one final question for this segment. So you know, you you have this long history of working in the transportation and sector and law, and now you've started coming out. How are you? You know, literally transitioning your career, pun intended, to you know become an advocate inside of your law community or inside of the business community for diversity and inclusion. Yeah, so you know, one of the first things we addressed is um, how to how to um, how to come out to to my to the clients that I was working with. I had a couple of active matters that I was working on, and um, you know, when companies come to law firms these days, they often ask for diverse groups of attorneys. That's you know really an, an emphasis in the in the business world these days. And you know, um, one of the partners that I work with, he said, "Look, I support diverse teams. It gives us a variety of viewpoints." Um, when we're addressing issues, and since companies are asking us, you know, let's just let's just tell them, and we'll go with it, and you know, kind of say they're going to have to put their money where their mouth is, in a, in a certain sense, you know. And um, to tell you the truth, none of none of my clients have have had an issue. Um, uh, you know, the the tr transition really did not. Take long, and they they were they were they were fine with it. Um, yeah, because yeah. I know when we, met, when, when we met for coffee the other night, you also mentioned that you know you're doing some work. You're working with your firm's office in Columbia on some diversity training, especially related to transgender issues. You know, and yep. are you able to also get out and do some training to other companies? Are you kind of maybe turning this into a little speaking inside business? I mean, there's great yeah. opportunity here. Yeah, yeah. So let me um yeah let me address that. Okay, so um. <clears throat> So as as far as my practice goes, you know, like 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 you introduced me, I've mainly been in the transportation space and advising on federal regulations and accident investigations and those kind of things. And and but now, you know, I have this motivation to share my experience and to help other people who are transitioning um, and to just kind of promote diversity in in general, kind of in a larger sense. So I really am um, and am getting more involved in. Uh, diversity and inclusion policies and advising um, on on how to set up a policy and what are good things to include in a policy. Um, and along those lines, I'm a member of several um, bar associations currently associated with transportation. There's uh, an ABA forum on air and space law, and there's um, um, something uh, called the International Air and Transportation Safety Bar Association. So these legal organizations. Um, and I think all of those organizations are looking at their membership and realizing that they're not very diverse. Um, and and so I've started to get involved in, in like crafting diversity plans for those organizations and and helping us to try and bring in a, a more diverse membership. Um, and, and I'm and then I'm you know doing some speaking on 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 transitioning and like I said policies and my experience. Um, I'm doing some internal training. Um, one of our overseas firms is in uh, in Bogota, Colombia, and you know later this year I'm going to um, give a webinar to them on on um, you know 
they have sort of a whole diversity um, a plan where they're doing uh, you know topic e topics each month on a different uh, diversity related topic and um, and I'm going to talk to them about you know transgender people and and transitioning in the workplace. So yeah, it's very important to recognize that the there's there's a transition on both sides. There's the transition uh, of of you uh, the trans the, the transgender person. Uh, you know, living their authentic lives. And then there's the transition of uh, the corporate transition to get people in the mindset to, to accept and welcome and understand that I, I don't know about you, but professionally, uh, my, my job did not change at all. The way I did my job did not change at all. Uh, I was very scared when I was doing my transition because I had just started a job in sports television and oh, wow. yeah, I know. Sports, 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 yeah, sports, yeah, sports, 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 sports. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, then for me, it, it, my, my, my path, I don't want to spend too much time about my path is like, I admitted to myself that I was uh, transgender in, um, in, in um, April of 2014. I'd started the interview process for this job in February and I didn't get hired till July. So the person that they hired was entirely different from the person who applied for the job, but it still were they? Well, well, they, yeah. as far as they, the way kind, of, well, at least physically, and true, sure, true, yeah. very true. And it took me, it took me a full year to 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 get the courage up to do this. But yeah, having a having a corporate corporation and a company that is is prepared for this and is welcoming and where management understands and is is on your side is so so important and so i'm really glad that you're doing this not only for the for the for the for the eggs as we like to call them but also for the companies as well yeah i think um you know i think like i think of some different aspects of a good you know transition policy and um you know one is to have a policy that's in writing that people can search for and find i think that's you know if if i was talking to a company giving advice that's a key you know key component but um but then when you think of what's it, what should go in the policy, and like you said, you know, part, part of it obviously should address the transitioning employee, but it should also, you know, have a section that talks to management and managers and, you know, lets them know what the, the company policy on supporting transitions is and, um, and, and, and recognizes that not every manager at every level has maybe met a transgender person. So they might need some education on, on what, on what, like just basic vocabulary, um, and then what the laws are in um, in various states. You know, there, um, DC, for example, um, a, a DC um, code requires that employers um, uh, let people use the bathroom and other gendered facilities of, of of the gender with which they identify. So, you know, under DC law, there are kind of more protections than in some other states. Um, uh, and it's a little bit of a hodgepodge from state to state. Um, the federal government's in a little bit of flux these days. Um, you don't put it say. mildly. Yeah, really? Yeah. Um, um, uh, you know, you it's can tell you're a lawyer, Jamie, by saying that that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that that the current administration is is kind of across the board trying to roll back protections in, you know, um, housing and education and labor and obviously in the military um, policies. Um, but it's also interesting that at the same time, if you go to the EOC website, you will you will see kind of positive um, transition related materials. So, um, you know, there, 
I don't know that there are pockets within the federal government even that are still holding on to to, uh, to supportive policies. Um, I, I, I guess I'm a little surprised that they've been able to do that so far, but uh, I'm glad that they have. Um, yeah, and I've heard actually the State Department's the same way with passports. So, you know, what's one of the things I'm kind of hurrying up with right now is to get my passport done before that goes away. So I would suggest for people, you know, if you are transitioning, definitely get that paperwork done as fast as you can. But I think, yeah. you know, it sounds like what you're saying there is know the laws where you live by going online. I know, like you mentioned, D.C. here in New York, we have a new law that came into effect last year called the Gender Expression Non-Discrimination Act. So that's really Great. an important one to get to learn here in New York State. Yep. And I would also, you know, suggest that, you know, people take some time to do these searches, go on HRC, go on the Center for Transgender Equality, even though that organization has been in some flux this year, talk about flux, um, but yeah. we don't want to go into that. But I think there's a lot of opportunity there for people to go out and do some self-education, but, you know, we can link some resources to some of the um, stuff on HRC, the New York law, DC codes. And so sure. but that's, but you have a lot going on, Jamie. I mean, I don't know how you keep it all straight. Straight. I oh, get right. it. Oh, straight. Oh. Well, actually, what I would like to do right now is uh, you actually have a question, Amy. Yeah. Some, somebody wrote you a question. Somebody, that I think, yep. Okay. Here. So here's a question. Dear Amy, I can use some help. I have a coworker who, when we last saw them, their name was John and dressing as a man. They took leave for a month and have come back to work as Lisa and dressing as a lady. The problem is people at work are struggling to adjust. I'm trying to help our coworkers remember and acknowledge her as Lisa and keep Lisa from getting discouraged when coworkers keep calling her John. I can really use some ideas. Hmm. And I will give some background um, from what I do know of this letter. It comes from somebody in the state of Texas. So um, if you know anything about Texas, maybe we can go there from a legal perspective. But you also know, in the interpersonal personal way, too. Yeah. So, but, yeah. you know, but so, Jamie, and I, I have an answer for this, too, but I want to hear your take first. And then I think maybe we can go um, go around the microphones here. Sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start out with kind of a legalistic thing. I'm gonna say I'm 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 not an attorney admitted in in the state of Texas. So uh, this isn't a legal advice for uh, uh, people in Texas. But um, I will give you some thoughts. Um, uh, the, you know, one thing that comes to mind is this sounds like um, from just kind of like a company planning standpoint, it doesn't sound like they had a real great process in place. So obviously that's something they can think of going forward. Um, to maybe get something in place. Um, but specifically about misgendering, you know, one of the things that um, I found to be helpful is to just to educate people on the impact of misgendering on trans people. Because I think, I think many people come at it from, well, here's this new requirement and it's kind of inconvenient to me. And, and they make mistakes and they get a little defensive. Um, and I think that's maybe somewhat understandable, but I think what what you can do, and, and there's some good articles out there. I recently posted one to Facebook. I'd be happy to, happy to give you the link. Oh, I shared that one. I, I got it. Okay, which I, I really think do a good job of personalizing the impact on the trans person when they get misgendered. And, you know, just like a personal story, I, I had a, um, a person that I know who misgendered me quite a, a bit at one point, and it just... It really has an emotional impact. It's not just an annoyance. It's um, and you know, at one point I found myself 
drinking a cup of coffee on a corner in Washington, D.C. and just like started crying into a cup of coffee. And oh, I was my like, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just like sitting there thinking I must look so pathetic. But, you know, I was just, you know, the emotions just kind of boiled up. And um, and I I relayed that to my this friend group of mine and um, and and passed on some some links to some similar articles. Um, and I had a couple of them come contact me, you know, in, individually. And they said, look, I never realized how, how hurtful misgendering can be. Um, and I, and I think they really did try harder, uh, you know, to make the, the switch afterwards. So a little bit of that kind of education, I think can go a long way. Maybe, um, I don't know if this company has had some kind of meeting where they've talked about supporting the person's yeah, transition. I don't know. Um, I just got this. Uh, that was really the gist of the letter. So I, I think that's some good advice. And I, you know, I did share that link that you share that you put up on Facebook. I actually shared that because, you know, towards the end of the year, there's a side of me. It's like, yeah, it's the end of the year. It's cold. It's snowy and icy up here in New York, as you know, because you were here and yeah. there's just, a side of me that said, you know what, I don't want to get too done up. I don't want to try too hard. But then, you know, for like the last week of the year, you know, I was just getting misgendered all over the place. And even when you try to correct people, they're like, sir, excuse me. And I'm like, fuck you. And I can't really <laughs> couldn't say that because I was in a retail setting and I had to be right? polite. And then, you know, and then I had somebody who was close to me misgender me, you know, and it just... You know, and it was this is a, this is a friend who's known me for a while, who's been through my entire transition process for the last three years. So you know, it's just, and that one stuck with me for days, and I'm bringing it up now. So even like a week later, it still is with me. So, you know, yeah. these things do last for a while. So, and I think, you know, you you make all this effort to transition, and then somebody just misgenders you. It's like you know, screw you. We don't recognize anything you've been doing for the last three years. And that's for the yeah. that's for the inadvertent ones, the 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 direct ones where they are trying to do this. I just I just posted something on Facebook myself. Uh, on it, I, I did you know I posted a picture of myself on Instagram because I just got a new haircut, a new color, and I and I had like a, a, a earrings that I, that I liked and that matched the dress. And I had this really nice outfit and somebody that I, I, a troll came out and was like, you know, trans women are not women. He like, he posted this in caps like, like five or six times. And it just, it really hurts. And you know, go ahead. I will, I will say just going back to the legal uh, side for a second. Um, there, there are court cases out there where, um, you know, intentional misgendering of a of a trans person by um, by company management has been held to constitute um, a, a, a hostile workplace. Um, you know, for in purposes of employment law, and so you know, I think if companies are are thinking about you know staying on the good side of the law, both both from you know, obvious kind of like a like a like a moral. We want to support our our employee kind of um, standpoint, but also from you know, what are the legal requirements of not creating hostile workplaces? Um, they should take some ownership and try and create a better um, environment for this person. Yeah, and I think you know, and I want to answer this question for my friend from from an ally perspective. You know, she's she's doing a great job of you know working with 
you know, not only Lisa in this situation, but I hope she's also taking, I don't know, hopefully she, I know she's going to listen to this. So, you know, my recommendation for her would be also, you know, the best way you can support your transgender coworker is when they're being misgendered, when they're not there, correct your coworkers, be that, be that ally when that transgender person is not in the room or not around. So that's my big thing. And then my, my advice then from a non-legal perspective, also back to the transgender woman would be, you know, there's going to be people that are going to say to her, you know what, you got to give me time to get used to this. You know what? And I had a coworker say this to me, you know, a few months ago when I was coming out at work and I looked at her and I said, well, how much time do you need? And she's like, well, what do you mean? I go, because if I don't confront you on this and I just give you time, how much time do you need? And so, you know, and finally she's like, oh, I see what you mean. And so, and I said, well, and and she's been pretty good, but she had a couple slip ups where it was really, and it was almost intentional, I think. But when I confronted her with it, it was, and it never happened again, but that time is such, I don't know how much time you need, but I need to address it and and move forward with you because this can't go on forever. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on the, on the, your point about allies. Um, It is such a relief. I think even when I'm in the room, if someone misgenders me and, um, and someone else corrects it before I'm forced to do it, that is just like such a relief. It's like, it's like a weight lifted from my shoulders, you know, it's like, oh, good, you know, and, um, and it also feels really great to have to know that you have this other person who has your back about something. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very important to have that, to have, and if you are an ally, if you want to be an ally, the, the first thing you have to do is insert yourself between uh, in between the person who's mar- being marginalized and the person who's marginalized, marginalizing. Unfortunately, right I, now, it's got to be the, it's got to be the cisgender heterosexual world that is going to have to be intolerant of this in order for it to change. Yeah. And I agree with you about standing up for yourself too. You know, I think I certainly went through this phase where I was a little meek about correcting other people. And I, you know, it's like, I didn't want to rock the boat too much. You know, I kind of felt like I'm, I'm causing all this, um, um, all, all these people, a little bit of angst. I don't want to like overdo it, but later I just, you know, it's like, I realized that certain people just aren't going to get it on their own. Like they almost need to be challenged. And so now I would say in the past few months, I've gotten to the point where, um, you know, with certain individuals, if they misgender me, I'm going to say something about it because I don't think there's any other way to get them to correct themselves. Yeah. One of the things that I did one time I I walked into a, into a, into a restaurant, I was wearing, I was wearing a leather skirt, a silk blouse, heels, makeup, jewelry, the whole thing. I felt great. And the, the, the manager looked at me and said, how can I help you, sir? And I said, yeah. And I said, what part of me makes you think that I want to be called sir? Right. And he stammered and got all flummoxed and I didn't care. Yeah, Uh, no, I agree with you. It's like, turn it around. Yep. Absolutely. And I think in a professional work environment too, you know, I think this will be handy. One of but one piece of advice I was given by a local lawyer here was document everything when you're misgendered, what you said to combat it. And if it keeps happening again, because it, what he said, going back to your point, Jamie, is, is that, you know, you can start documenting that hostile work environment. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can kind of keep your records. I, a couple of cases I read talked 
talked about it in in the court case. They talked about the kind of the number of times that a person had been misgendered, and um, um, and also you know emails. There was this one case where um, a, a supervisor was purposely misgendering someone in email, like in written form. You know, so that obviously became evidence. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, and I'm so glad that you bring these things up. Well, it's been a great, we're almost at the hour mark here, so we're going to wrap it up. Jamie Francesca Rodriguez, thank you so much for being on Transformation Thursday. Uh, trans oh, thank trans you so much for having me. Transportation, we're going places. Oh, take off. Oh, take <laughs> off, you hosiery. All right, so thank you very much, and best of luck, and we may be calling on you in the future if, 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 uh, if things are necessary. Would you be willing to come back again? And talk? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would love to come back anytime you guys want to have me. So. Sounds good. So, Jamie, thank you very much. Have a great day. We're going to wrap up with a few thoughts over here at home. Jamie, thank you very much. And everybody, this is Transformation Thursday. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to TransformationThursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 welcome back to transportation thursday i know it's i think we're going to change that we'll start talking about traffic issues in here because francesca Jamie Francesca Rodriguez was an amazing woman. I, it was great hearing her tell her story. It was really interesting hearing all the legal aspects of this too. We've never had a, a, a transgender lawyer on before, or at least, yeah. and, and so that was really great. What was and your, last week we had a, tra a transgender transportation engineer on. Yeah, so it really is and Transportation think, Thursday, isn't it? I think they're both single. Can we play matchmaker? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> dangerous game, dangerous game. Dangerous game. Walk supposed, away from the microphone, Absolutely. Amy. I don't think they're in any place near the same place either. No. So, so what was your takeaway from our conversation with Jamie, Amy? You know, I think it comes back to, you know, I really liked what Jamie was talking about having a plan. Um, I think as a transgender person, if you're not sure your company has a plan, I think it's incumbent upon you to go find out if they do and help HR or who's ever in charge of that, maybe in a smaller company, develop that plan with them. I had to do that both in my situation um, within the fire department that I volunteer at and as well um, in the private sector position that I held until October of this year. Um, but most importantly, I think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the other thing is, you know, following up on that letter of if you're going to be an ally to the transgender community and you consider yourself an ally to the transgender community, realize we can't do it without you. You mentioned that, Penny. And one of the things that is if you hear your coworkers or somebody misgendering the transgender person when they're not in a room, be that ally in that moment and stand up for them and make sure they gender people correctly all the time. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to follow up, and that's pretty much my point, too. The allyship, there's both corporate and personal allyship, yeah. and finding finding both of those, and as far as the corporate, the legal way, demanding it. 
uh, is, is a very important step to take when you are transitioning in, in a professional setting. I think I might need to circle back with, with Jamie and get some of those case law references about, you know, cases that were, you know, it was found that the company was that aggressive misgendering created a hostile work environment. I think that would make for some good reading. I think it would too, especially in uh, cases of people that we might know. And as far as yes. people that we might know, we might know a whole bunch of Patreon sponsors, Amy. Yeah, you know, we've been, we've been, you know, we need to do a better job as we go through this year um, promoting our Patreon page and also getting some better content on there. I will admit that I've fallen down on that here the second half of the year. I started off strong and maybe that should be my resolution for the new year. What do you think, Penny? I think that's a good resolution to yeah, have. Yeah, because, you know, just I mentioned online that I have this new um, contract opportunity starting up here pretty soon in the new year. Um, Podcasting is going to become my life. And so, I, you know, and I, and I really Does think... Does that mean I'm only going to see you on Thursdays? Or maybe Sundays when we actually record. That's the oh. dirty little secret of transfer, transformation <laughs> Thursdays. We record on Sunday. Except you bring it up every damn oh, that's podcast right. that we do. It's the worst kept and secret in podcasts. I know, and we're also getting away from what we want to talk, which oh, yeah, is thanking the, we, the Patreon supporters right. that we have and asking for more of them. Yeah, so why don't we read through all of them and say a big thank you as we go into 2020. So, yeah. Penny, start. Okay, I would like to thank Andrew K for his support. And I would like to thank Corey W. for their support. MV, thank you so much for your support. And Emma B., thank you for her support as well. I'm going to do a little bit of Elvis here. Oh, Jasmine V., oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That's more like Nixon than Elvis. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that was a Nixon, Jasmine V. And <laughs> I would like to thank Nika S. Yeah. And Rory M., thank you very much for being a patron. Oh, yeah, they're they're fantastic. I actually know them, and they're fun to vacation. And you know everybody. I know I do. I don't know the next one, though, who is? Sarah, Sarah G. Or Spencer S. You know Spencer S. I know Spencer. Spencer doesn't drink. No, he doesn't. <laughs> and we both know Teresa T. Oh, yes, we do. Now I can say this. So I'll definitely, I definitely do love her. Yeah, that, yeah, I've noticed that about you. Okay. And uh, Tori B., thank you very much for your support. And um, finally, Andrew K. Yeah, wow, that's an awful, that's that's a lot of uh, lot of people to thank. It is. And, and we know, want more thank yous coming up. We want more thank yous because um, your support of our podcast means that we are reaching out and helping people with our message. And we're going to probably do a little bit more advertising as we go into the new year. We have some Patreon money sitting in the bank that I think we can do some advertising with. So we'd like to get this out to more people and we would appreciate your help. So if you are listening to the podcast, please go to transformationthursday.com. Look for the become a patron button on the top right corner of your Patreon page and um, sign up for um, sponsorship levels start at a dollar per month. It's not too much to ask. And you'll get our eternal gratitude for that. But for right now, we're going to wrap up. Thank you very much for listening to Transformation Thursday. Good night, Amy. Good night, Penny. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.